0: You're listening to the Misty Creek Community Church Podcast. To learn more about Misty Creek Community Church, visit our website at mistycreekchurch.org. Today's message is from Senior Pastor Stephen Street. How is it with your soul? Well, my soul is refreshed, renewed, restored, revived as I spent a Glorious weekend with my wife and several couples from this church and couples from all over the southeastern United States at the Windshape Retreat Center uh, up behind Berry College. It was a glorious time, and uh, I'm on fire right now. I am. man, to spend a weekend with my wife, and with some of my dearest friends and to hike and to fish and to actually catch something too. It was just a, a wonderful, wonderful experience. So here I am today, ready to present to you what God has placed on my heart, and um, He placed some more stuff on my heart over the weekend as I got to enjoy His beautiful creation in the North Georgia mountains. We're going to be talking about David tonight, King David, the boy David, and we're going to look at Samuel 16, 13 to begin the message tonight. It goes like this, so Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. 1 Samuel 16, 13. It's in 1 Samuel 16 that we're first introduced to David. He's a shepherd. He's a boy. The youngest son of his father, Jesse. We later discover that David is multi-talented. He's a musician. He's a singer. He's a songwriter. He's a brave warrior. He's been known to hang around sheep for extended periods of time and to kill attacking lions and bears on an as-needed basis. He even takes down the giant Goliath. As David is being anointed by Samuel, the high priest, the Spirit came powerfully upon the new king as the anointed one. The Hebrew word for came powerfully actually can convey the meaning that the Spirit rushed on David, forcefully, unequivocally empowering him for the life of obedience that was ahead. David starts his kingly journey as a man after God's own heart. During this time, David possesses humility. He is the humble king. We just sang about the humble king. Humility welcomes the Holy Spirit. The more humble you are, the more welcoming you are to the Holy Spirit. Now, despite being identified by God as a man after my own heart, in Acts thirteen twenty two, David sinned in his affair with Bathsheba. If you don't know that story. David lusted after a woman. He wanted that woman so much so that he sent that woman's husband to fight on the front lines of a battle, knowing that Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, the Hittite, would be killed. And that was a sin. That was murder. He sinned David, a man after God's own heart. An humble king sinned, and he attempted to cover up his sinful behavior. You know, God didn't fall for any of this cover-up. And He sent Nathan, one of David's best friends and an advisor, to reveal David's guilt. In Psalm 51, that Sherry just read for us, David poured out his repentance over his sin, and he sought God's forgiveness. He said, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me, Cast me not away from your presence, O Lord, but restore unto me the joy of your salvation. In Psalm 32, David rejoiced over the forgiveness he received. You know, God doesn't keep score or expect us to make things up to Him when we're wrong. He doesn't. He doesn't keep score. He doesn't expect us to make things up to Him when we're wrong. Instead... He delights in restoring us. Psalm 32 gives us a portrait of the pain David experienced from his unconfessed sin. But later we get to see the opportunity, the joy that can come when God forgives and restores. He wants to direct our steps. He wants to forgive us. He wants to restore us and give us the greatest joy we can ever imagine. David found out that suffering in silence does not bring about forgiveness and restoration. And that's the title of the message today, Suffering in Silence. It does not bring about forgiveness and restoration. David realized God was pleased with a broken spirit and a broken, humble heart. This is the kind of confession that brings deliverance and forgiveness. Look at Psalm 51:17. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. David attributed the cause of distress to keeping silent and refusing to confess his sin. He first admitted that when he kept silent, his bones became brittle or wore out and groaning all day long. The Hebrew word for groaning can also be translated as the roaring of a lion. In regard to human subjects, it could refer to groaning and anguished cries. When David opened up and acknowledged his hidden sin to God, that led to a breakthrough I will confess the words of David I will confess indicates David's personal resolve to end the physical and emotional pain that can that came from harboring sin in his heart David's confession was immediately met with God's forgiveness without going into detail David's sins did not go unpunished. The firstborn son between David and Bathsheba would become ill and die. Several weeks ago, I learned that one of my closest friends lost his grandbaby, grandbaby girl. She was just 16 months, just started walking. Her name, Bethel means house of God, house of the Lord. Sixteen months. Karen and I could not travel to go to the funeral. It was several hours away, but we were able to watch it online. I was struck as I watched online by the intensity of the grieving that I witnessed beforehand. They filmed some of the visitation. The family cried so loud and they hugged each other with such passion, it moved me. They were grieving, but they were embracing one another, continued to watch the service, And my dear friend, the grandfather, Keith Cowart is his name, began to speak. I'd really never seen him so emotional before, but he began to speak. I started thinking about his words after he spoke. He wanted people to know how they are to deal with grief, how they are to move through it, what they are to do with the pain. And if you've gone through any grief, you need to hear this message right now. I want you to listen clearly. Especially if you've gone through grief recently. Hearing him talk about the hope that we have. In Jesus that we don't grieve as those who have no hope. To hear him talk about that, reminded me of this account when David grieved the death of his son, King David, with Bathsheba. I want to share this scripture reference. This is the whole story. It's not that long. It's a powerful story. This is what this family was doing, what David is doing in this passage. David pleaded with God for the child. He fasted and spent the nights lying in sackcloth on the ground. The elders of his household stood beside him to get him up from the ground, but he refused. And he would not eat any food with them. On the seventh day, the child died. David's attendants were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they thought while the child was still living, he wouldn't listen to us when we spoke to him. How can we now tell him the child is dead? He may do something desperate. David noted that his attendants were whispering among themselves, and he realized the child was dead. Is the child dead, he asked? Yes, they replied. He is dead. Then David got up from the ground. After he had washed, put on lotions... Changed his clothes, he went into the house of the Lord, and he worshipped. Then he went to his own house. At his request, they served him food, and he ate. His attendants asked him, Why are you acting this way? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept. But now that the child is dead, you get up and eat? He answered, While the child was still alive, I fasted and wept I thought who knows the lord may be gracious to me and let the child live but now that he is dead why should i go on fasting can i bring him back again i will go to him but he will not return to me 2 samuel 12:16 through twenty-three, these verses struck me verses 20 and 23 when they said the child is dead the first thing that he did he got up he went into the house of the Lord and he worshipped that was the first thing that he did he worshipped and then he went to his home He bathed, he put on lotions because that's what kings do, and he ate. And then these are some of the most powerful words in all of Scripture. And some of you may have never heard these words, may have never read these words, or if you have, you didn't think anything about it. The servants asked him, Now your child is dead. Why do you keep fasting? He says, I'm not fasting. I'm not fasting anymore. Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. I shared this passage recently with the residents at the Mansions Assisted Living where my in-laws are. The activities director came up to me after the brief worship service and told me that she had lost both of her parents within 40 days of each other. She had not had time to grieve one before the other had died. As she heard this passage from 2 Samuel, the same passage I just shared with you, she visualized going to her mom and dad. Her dad was a retired pastor, by the way. She visualized going to her mom and dad and being embraced by them as she entered paradise i want you to visualize that for all of us who've lost someone no matter how long ago that was can i tell you something you will never stop grieving them no matter what the therapist says no matter what the pastor may say you will never stop grieving their loss You may hear, oh, they're in eternity celebrating with the angels. That's wonderful. But you will always long for the intimacy of having them there with you. To embrace them. To have conversations with them. To pray with them. To go on trips with them. To hold their hands. That will always be there. You'll always have that void. But to picture... Them not coming to you, but you going to them. Now that's beautiful. And I watched, he's now a bishop, Keith Cowart and his family, even in their distraughtness and in their tears. Remember, even Jesus wept. Even in their tears, they were worshiping like nobody's business. Lifting their hands and praising their Creator. You see, David had such an intimacy with God. He could say things like, Why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God and bless His holy name. He had such a connection with God that he could say anything. He could even get mad at God. He could get angry. He could even denounce God, which I don't believe he ever did. He did beat his breast at times. Because he knew God was big enough. For all of his anger and his concerns and his questions, and that same God, the Spirit of God that rushed upon David when he was anointed as a boy king, is the same God that is with you right now, this very moment, in this sacred space. His Spirit is with you. And His Spirit wants to rush upon you and bring you comfort and bring you out of the darkness and bring you out of that suffering silence that you continue to stay in. This very moment, I discern with the power of the manifestation of the Holy Spirit that some of you, even those watching online, are suffering in silence. It could be a secret sin. it could be unresolved pain, it could be grief, it could be anxiety. It could be that thing that Jesus says, Don't do it, but you do it anyway. worry. He says, Don't do it. It doesn't add a day, an hour or a minute to your life, but you'll do it even after this message today, even after Jesus says, Don't do it in your human nature. You will still do it. We have eradicated the term worry from our vernacular. We don't use that word in our household. Concern? I got a lot of concerns. Don't you? You got some concerns? You got a lot of them. But I don't worry because worry is a fleshly thing. Fleshly is not even a word, but I can make up words if I want to. I mean, who came up with the word bodacious? Should that be a word? But it is. Who came up with that? A comedian? I don't know. But that's a flesh concept. Worry. It's not of God. He doesn't want you to be anxious. He doesn't want you to worry. He doesn't want you to be in this secret spot of silence. You see, your Savior, the one that you serve, and the one you love, who loves you, is ready to release you from your bondage. He knows what it's like to grieve. Yes, God knows what it's like to grieve. Jesus knows what it's like to grieve and be lonely and be forsaken and be hurt and be outcast. He knows what it's like to lose intimacy with the ones we love. Do you really think He wanted to leave the disciples He way He left them? No. Do you think he wanted his mama to watch him suffer on the cross? He didn't want that. But he did it. Because he was obedient even until death on the cross. So that you and I could be here right now. So that I could go to a glorious five-star place called Winshape and have a marriage retreat. So that I could have wings tomorrow night with some of the men I love more than anything in this world. Did that so that you women could gather in your groups and have your prayer time together and watch the chosen to give you that freedom in Christ. He did that for you so that you could have that connectedness with the Father of all creation. I hope you feel the all-encompassing grace of the Holy Spirit right now. He's longing to release the shackles that bind you. Will you go to Him? The beauty of it is, is He will come to you. He will come to you. You just ask. Lord, come near. Come to me. Last Sunday, this isn't in the the notes after the service we had and we had communion outside and it was a holy, sacred moment, you took that seed and you spread it all throughout the campus. I think Richard Brown came and got every bit of it up the next day before the birds could even get to it. A young man approached me in the back of this church. He wanted to come near to Jesus, and he did. And he received Jesus into his heart right here. Right back here, in between these two buildings, he received Jesus into his heart. That's humbling, folks, that he would use you and I to be his vessels to bring salvation. Not anything that I do, I can't save anybody, but he can. And he chooses to use you and I to do that. That's huge. And he's saying, I will come to you and I will empower you and equip you to make disciples, believers, and give them a new life. So come sit in the shelter of God's forgiveness and profess your desire to live a life of victory, free from confusion, fear, guilt. And regret things that God does not want you to have, that you continue to have. He wants to redeem you and bring you out of that confusion, out of that guilt, and out of that regret. You may be living at the residence of what if. What if I had done this? What if I had gone there? What if I would said this? What if I had been there? What if? That's not a good place to live. God wants to lead you out of the silence and the sadness and rescue you with His presence. So this morning, Joy, I did it too. This evening, some would say late afternoon. This evening, come as you are. There's hope for the hopeless. You feeling hopeless right now? There's hope. Maybe cliche to you at Misty Creek, but hope has a name. What's that name? Jesus. You think he heard you say that? Hope has a name. What's that name? Jesus. Yes, Jesus. We believe you are the hope of the world, the only hope. So we're going to pray together. I'm not going to ask you to make this optional. This is for all of us. This is for me. This is for you. This is for those watching online. We're going to pray together. I'm going to ask you not to look down. But instead, you can close your eyes if you'd like. I want you to look up. I want you to lift your hands out. And I want us to pray aloud together. Because He will come to us. We'll invite Him. And go to Him. I mean, if you'll just meet him halfway, he'll take care of the rest. So let's pray. And this prayer is up on the screens as well. Well, let's pray it together with our hands lifted high, looking up at that screen, those monitors. Jesus, I receive your Holy Spirit. Let praise become my first language, even when I am discouraged. May I worship you even when I don't feel like it. Come, Holy Spirit, fan worship into flame with my heart. That praise may rise from these lips many times a day. I praise in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you were inspired by today's message.